Welcome to The Life of a Networker. On this podcast, we are featuring industry leaders from the network marketing profession to share with you the stories, inspiration, and leadership. Now, here is global business developer, leader in authentic sharing technology, your host, Mr. Mike Fedick. Hello, guys, ladies and gentlemen, how are you out there? Well, it's Mike Fedick and Chris here from the life of a networker. And I'm going to tell you what, we've got some special guests uh, in the room with us here, not technically in my room. I wish they were here in Mexico hanging out with me. We'd have a good time. Uh, But they're in Colorado. I'm in Mexico. Chris is in Houston. And we don't know how long he's going to be there, but we hope for the best for him. (laughs) uh, We're here to have some fun with Tom Chanel, Adrian Chanel. Guys, welcome to the life of a networker and uh, happy Tuesday to you both. So good to be here, you guys. This is just going to be so much fun. Take your son to the podcast day. Very, very exciting. Thank you. (laughs) Well, listen, for our audience out there, just in case you don't know, uh, Tom Chenault and Adrian are, are some of the best people in the world, and we are going to crack up on this podcast. This is not going to be formal. There's no ties. Uh, we retired the suits for this uh, podcast. Um, there may be a few words that get thrown out there that may offend you, but guess what? It's not our problem. It's yours because that offends you, not us. No, we're just kidding. We're going to have some fun <laughs> and, uh, and joke around with you. But Tom, let's start with you, just because you're a few years older than, than Adrian and, and myself here. So we'll start with the the legends here, um, but 32 years in network marketing in this incredible profession, there had to be a starting point. Where did you get started? And most importantly, since we're all in the in the aspect of tools for network marketing, what the heck did somebody give you 32 years ago that got your interest in this industry? <laughs> Absolute dismal life I was living. I was a stockbroker. <clears throat> In 1988, my income was $877,000. I quit drinking. I knew that someone was just going to pick me up and start paying me that kind of money again. I weighed about 400 pounds. I was purple. I got sober on September 28th of 1988. I didn't know who I was. Nobody wanted to touch me with a 10-foot pole. I was applying at brokerage firms, no job, no nothing. Actually, that was the fault of my AA sponsor. He told me to stop throwing the baby out with the bathwater and stop doing the thing that got me drunk. And he meant drinking. I thought he meant my job. So I quit my job and no one would hire me. So now I'm running around and I'm walking in and they're just going. So finally I go to this place for a restaurant to a restaurant because I, all the brokerage firms didn't want to touch me. Nobody wanted to touch me. And I walk in a restaurant and it was a place called uh, Dandelion. And I walked in there and the, you know, the guy looked at me and goes, we hire you, but we just don't have an, a uniform big enough for you. And he gave me that despicable look like you're just such a fat slob. And I just completely slinked out the door. So then I opened up an ad because I just knew restaurants. So I thought I'll go to work on the railroad. Uh, as you know, in a certain, they were desperate running, finding somebody to get on the railroad and serve food. And they paid a salary and I could get away from my very pissed off ex-wife, his mother. And uh, <clears throat> so I thought I'll just go on that rogues and I can just like maybe even drink once in a while because I'm sober but I don't know that I really want to be next thing you know they came back said you know what you're a little too wide for the aisles of the trade and I'm going I am gonna shoot myself in the head so now it's now it's Taco Bell and places like that on my list and I have gone down so in 1989 I only made twenty thousand dollars I mean it was horrible but 
I open up a newspaper and out falls a piece of paper. And I'm everybody's multi-level marketing prospect since the day I was born. My, they, uh, they pulled me out of my mom and said, it's a multi-level marketer. I mean, that's how it went. And so everybody was pitching me for everybody, but I had this huge intellect. So there was no way I was going to be a network marketer all through the stock brokerage days. Sure. Open up a newspaper. Out falls a slip of paper. Unlimited income opportunity. I went, perfect. I lived at Columbine Country Club where Patrick Shaw lives. Okay. And it said... Uh, no credit check. Then it said, no background check. I said, I have arrived. I called the guy on the phone and I said, good God, was this true? He goes, what is what true, man? And he's like, he's like a normal human being and I'm crazy. I go, is it unlimited income opportunity? Yes. No credit check. Yes. No background check. Yes. I li- So I lived at Colin, my country club and that's beautiful home. I had no money. I said, I'm in. He goes, well, I'll send you some information. I go, no, you're not. What is it? He goes, well, I go, what is it? I go, is it multi-level marketing? And the guy goes, yes. I go, is all that stuff true? He goes, yes. I said, I am in because I'm a desperate man. It wasn't a tape. It was air in this guy's lungs. So he says, I will send you, I will send you some stuff in the mail. I go, no, I'm coming to your house. Where do you live? So he's like, he knows he's got Ted Bundy on the line. So he goes, uh, (laughs) on my address and he's kind of I'm I'm coming over there so I go to his house and I walk in the door and he's a real estate agent and he's got this wife that's a real estate agent too and they have like 35 cats and I walk in the door and it hits my lungs and I just start choking with asthma I don't even have asthma and I got asthma that day and I'm just holding my breath I walk in I go what is it he goes Here's what you do. I go, is it true? He says, yes. I said, what do I do? He says, well, normally we start with these five packages at 125 bucks a piece. In my head, I go, okay, good. That's 650 bucks or 625, whatever that is. I said, fine, I'm in. He goes, he's looking at me like I'm crazy. And I start, so I said, what do I do? He says, well, you're going to sell these and then you're going to get people to go sell them with you. I go, perfect. That's good. I got to get out of here before I gag. So I walk out the door. And as I walk out the door, I look at the guy and I said, uh, when do I get more of these packs? And he, I'll never forget that smirk. That smirk, I will remember it forever. He goes, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. And at that point, I had one of those big old brick phones. And I had, by the time I got home, I'd sold all five of them because I'd written a hot check. <laughs> so then they said, five, you know, so then Mark Yardell, the three foot rule and all that horse manure. And I love Mark Renner, a good friend of mine, but that whole thing, uh, just throw it against the wall and something will stick. Yeah, I went yeah. crazy, man. I was the king of news. Oh, and the king of the company. And it was out. Of, I was out of my mind. And they're having me on the stage, and I'm this rising diamond. But the problem was, I was buying my check. I knew I was living a lie. I knew with that executive fountain bonus that sooner or later I was going to get drunk again. And uh, so everything was horrible. I'm signing up people right and left, and they are doing everything they can to just get me to leave. I have a friend named Gordon Burr. He's a very wealthy guy. He owns all kinds of casinos in Mexico and um, great guy. And he's got a mansion in Colorado. I go to visit him. Every time I go to visit him, he goes downstairs and gets a box, comes up with it. This box is open at the top. It's got like four inches of dust on the package on the inside. I go, what is that, Gordon? He goes, that's that skincare pack you sold me in 1988. I keep it just to remind myself I'm never going to buy anything from you again because you stayed until three in the morning until I bought that thing. And he said, I will never do it again. And so that, that was me. I was that horrible human being that you all despise. 
So I know that that was supposed to be a very short answer and it wasn't, but it was perfect because that's who I was. I got the gift of desperation, Mike. I mean, that's, you said, was it a tape? No, it was the gift. It was just like when I quit drinking. Hey, Tom, you need to quit drinking? No, I don't. Why? I make $877,000 a year. You need to drink more. That's what I would tell people. <laughs> so, because I didn't never until it happened and I got the gift of desperation to get sober. Yeah. I wanted no part of it. I knew how to do it. Just don't drink. Right. I knew how to do network marketing. Just do it. But until you have that gift of desperation and you burn the bridge behind you, you're just going to screw around with it. I'm so lucky. I got the gift of desperation more better than a tape. Well, that's awesome, man. What a great story. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't have anything in depth that way, but for me, I was the same way. I was 18 years old. I was in high school. My assistant principal invited me out to a presentation and I went and sat at the presentation. He went through the whole thing. I had no idea what he was talking about. It was legal services. Didn't make any sense. I never used an attorney before. What am I going to pay for something for? But all I thought was I'm going to sign up in this business because he's my assistant principal. So if anything ever goes wrong in school, I've got a green card now to get through all kinds of stuff. So I'm in, (laughs) but I did, I'll tell you what got me was at the very end, he plays Brian Carruthers pulling up in his Ferrari at his house. And Brian was probably 31 at the time. And I saw that and and I just said, I'm in. He's like, well, would you have any questions? I go, no, I'm in. And he's goes, well, he didn't know what to do because he never had anyone say they're in like that. (laughs) It almost almost threw the networker off. I know exactly what you said. (laughs) you might not have said it but you thought it if that little twerk can do it i can that's exactly what i said i did i'm no kidding i used to say that in my testimony all the time i go man if that i am so jealous of carruthers i mean Um, he's the best man i'm i was with him he celebrated his 50th birthday with me he flew here to mexico with his wife and uh we had we had just a great time but but i admire him so much for what What a guy investment wise i mean when a guy's you know he's now he's just approaching 27 28 million net worth um, we were driving, playing golf, and there was about a $20 million home sitting right on the ocean in Punta Mita next to the Four Seasons. And I said, man, what does it feel like to know that tomorrow you could wire the money and buy that house? He's like, well, it feels good, but I'd never do it. And I go, I know, I know, but it just doesn't it feel good. Yeah. good? <laughs> Adrian, let's go over to you, brother, man. I appreciate you so much. We met back uh, first time at A&MP, yeah. um, two, two, three, no, three years ago now, because we went twice in a row and then had one canceled here this year. But uh, but it was great to meet you and get a chance to hang out with you a little bit. Tell us a little bit, what was it like growing up? Uh, because pretty much your whole life you've grown up now um, in the industry. And so what's that been like watching your dad and, and really getting around probably some of the most successful people on planet earth, uh, your whole career. Tell us a little bit about that. Growing up as Tom Chenault's son is about like you'd imagine. <laughs> <laughs> it was not easy. <laughs> no, it was, you know, it was awesome. So I, so they did my folks divorced when I was in first or second grade. And, you know, at first dad, didn't, you know, he was sober, but he was, had not gotten his life together at all. And so it was like crazy over there. And so there was a couple of years like that. And then he really, you know, through personal development, through kind of going deep, he really transformed himself. And that was when things really shifted in our relationship. And so I spent half the time at mom's half the time at dad's. My mom is super caring, super nurturing, super like the, 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 the very stereotypical mom and, uh, and, and kind of, you know, a protector and, and that sort of thing. And then you go to dad's and like, he was entrepreneurial. He literally would say to us, the only rule is no rules. Like he would, like, he was so, 
hands off, but he really cared. You know, it wasn't that he didn't care. He just had, you know, because of his upbringing and some other stuff, like he had this philosophy of I'm going to empower these kids. And I think I'm a very, I'm like a really responsible kid. I'm a real, like I, I'm that, I'm the oldest, I'm that sort of way. And so it was, I think it was perfect. Cause I think if it had only been that it would have been like, I would have freaked out because it would have been too much freedom and I wouldn't have known what to do, but it was like bounce back, back and forth. And so I grew up around the profession. I grew up, you know, being in the back of the room and like, you know, overhead projectors and, you know, presentation, like I saw all that stuff. And, you know, I think that I didn't really, I didn't understand my dad's greatness until later. I didn't understand how special the exposures that I was getting to have were until later. Like I, you know, like you just don't know, you don't have a, you don't have enough perspective. Um, and so, you know, I grew up, I, I often say that because, you know, I, I didn't realize how good I had it. I didn't realize that if it weren't for network marketing, I would have never seen my dad because he was a single parent and he would have gone to work and we would have been at daycare or we would have been wherever. But, you know, what you see is you see your dad on the phone, you see your dad doing meetings, you see your dad doing this stuff. And so honestly, like I wasn't super resentful about it or anything, but like my perspective was because I didn't understand how much worse the alternative was. It was like, oh man, my dad's always working. And so that was kind of the story that I had growing up. And it wasn't until later when I went into the corporate world and got my head beat in and was working (laughs) constantly and never seeing my kids that I went, oh, you know, like being on a call while we're on vacation together as a family would not have been so like that actually was not a terrible outcome. So you just, you have to kind of get that perspective, but he was great at instilling into us a real, like he really wanted to give us the knowledge. Like I, I remember rich dad, poor dad, I probably read it like 11 years old, like, you know what, like assets and liabilities and all that stuff. And I didn't really like, I had no clue. I only half paid attention because it was my dad telling me to read the book, but it was enough that it got inside of me. And so I'm really grateful for that. One of the great ideas was the tape duplicator. Remember the tape duplicator where you had to, because you didn't want it because I was so cheap. I didn't want to do it. So one of them, you see, you had, so I made these kids for like a buck each, listen to the tapes to duplicate them. And they thought they were making money and I was brainwashing them. (laughs) It worked out (laughs) tremendously good. No, that's awesome. Well, you know, I mean, you said it so so clearly too that, you know, in network marketing, we have some friends here in Mexico and they're very successful and they've done well and they're kind of retired now. They have a big furniture store in Canada. And one of the things we had, we were at dinner and Kim said she had to step away for five minutes and just do a three-way call and she'd come back to the table. And and they and they, it was Sunday and the, the gal had asked us, she goes, so, so you work on Sunday? And Kim said, well, no, I don't even know what day of the week it is. I'm just, this is my passion. It's my life. And and when you said that, it's it's so true that I love network marketing because when you do build it the right way and you build it with integrity and you've got a good foundation set that the renewal income is real, you really do design your life around your work and you go on vacations and you do those things. And so, Tom, talk to us a little bit about this audience that's listening in. Majority of these people are new people to the industry, or they've been around a little bit, but they just never have gotten into true momentum to get to that, what we all want to, and most people do, is to get to that six-figure mark from home. And so this audience, how important is it to be yourself? I see so many people jumping on social media, and I'm like, 
who that's not, I know that person. That's not who they are. You are a true walking person of being who you are, no matter what people think, say, or do you are Tom Chenault. And that's what you're getting when you walk in the door, but talk to the new people about just to be themselves is important. I think in this industry. Well, as an alcoholic, (laughs) you just don't ever want to be you. That's all I ever did was wanted to be Mike Fiedek. All I ever wanted to do was be Chris Morales. I wanted to be anybody but me. I came in this business. And here's Eric Warren. He was at TPN then. Or he was at, actually, when I, I hooked up with Eric first at Quorum. Forum, yeah. And I was at at America West uh, Coliseum down in Phoenix when he spoke in front of 14,000 people. And he was a BB on a four-lane highway. He was down there. (laughs) I was up at the very top. I had absolutely, I couldn't even see him. And I'll never forget, I go, man, I I got more in my tank than that guy will ever have. Because I'm a resentful, very competitive person in those days that I had to be I had to out Eric, Eric. I had to out Jeff, Jeff Olson. I had to out fog John Milton Fogg. And I was a terrible replica of those people. And I finally, you know, and people talk about this coffee shop interview that this book that Adrian and I wrote, that's an Amazon bestseller. And they said, where did that come from? And it basically came from Alcoholics Anonymous merging with a place called the Landmark Forum, merging with network marketing. And at the Landmark Forum, I went in there for three days, and I came out of there finally understanding Tom Chenault, who he was, and I fell in love with Tom Chenault. And once I did that, everything shifted because no more was I being somebody I couldn't be. And finally, I was unbelievably in love with the guy that I was. And now what we teach people is radical self-inquiry. Eric and all those guys on that side of the equation, they have got more ability to train than we will ever have in our toe. But on this side of the equation, what it means to be a human being, doing that radical self-inquiry, learning to literally write it down and share it with other people, and finding a tribe that you can attract by who you are instead of who you want to be has been our secret sauce. And we've gotten really, really good at that. And, you know, I have got a philosophy now that every human being I meet in my life, even Chris living in Houston, and I said bad things about Houston earlier, I will clean that up because <laughs> it's my job at the end of this interview to have Chris Morales and Mike Fiedek feeling better about their lives than when they got here. And that is every human being I meet. And in my life, I meet far more alcoholics and derelicts than I do prospects. And if I try to hit them because of Alcoholics Anonymous and what I do really in my life, and as a result of that, if I hit them with anything other than love, I could push them off the cliff. I cannot have an agenda. Their agenda has to be my agenda. When we started this thing, I said, what do you want this thing to look like? Because I have got in every area of my life to make their agenda my agenda. And as a result of that, I don't have to make people be prospects anymore. They are human beings that I am going to drop off right where they want to be. And then if they, and then I'm going to show them like in Alcoholics Anonymous, attraction rather than promotion, that my way is better. 
being authentic, being vulnerable, calling it on yourself, saying a bad word once in a while, being human instead of all these multi-million dollar sound bites that are horse shit anyway. I don't want to be that when I grow up. I want to be this spit on the sidewalk guy with my own tribe. And I may not be as rich as the other guys, but I'm a hell of a lot happier. And that's it, man. Well, listen, you just hit it off in so many different directions. I, um, I just recently, for the fourth time now, have taken the Michael Singer course, the author of The Untethered Soul. And he has- The most important book that I've read in the 10 years, last five years? Yeah. Is The Surrender Experiment. Oh, fantastic. I think I had it right here just yesterday. I never never say no. I have lived my life since I read that book. I have never said no. Because God's got it. That's, That's what's so, I can't believe it. I liked you before. Now I completely and totally love you. Oh, uh, well, listen, listen, I mean, I got the goosebumps with some of the stuff you said, but a year ago, that wouldn't have, I wouldn't have made any sense to me because I was this machine and everything I did, I wanted to be this person. I wanted to be so wealthy. I wanted to, I'm prospecting this person everywhere I go. Hey, interested in opportunity. My God, did I screw it up and do I now realize why it was so difficult? Network marketing, network marketing is not difficult at all. Like we cause it to be difficult. If you're natural, what you're saying and you're authentic and you are who you are, it's the most simple thing in the world. But uh, we'll talk a little more about that. And Hang on a second. I want to flip you out right now. Okay, go for it. After I read The Surrender Experiment. I, everybody, you know, because of Oprah and I, Michael Singer and all that horse manure, everybody's telling you to read The Untethered Soul. So I read it a few times, but I didn't read it like a textbook. Yeah. I just read it because people said to read it. And then I read Surrender Experiment and I ate The Untethered Soul. Get ready to flip out. Do you know what I ate then? What? Autobiography of a yogi. Wow. Have you read it? It's like eight, it's as big as Atlas Shrugged and deeper. And you read that book, and now I've read that three times. I am telling you my entire quest on this planet is to just be. You, be present. No, no don't have to be me. I just have to be. Just Stop. be. Stop. Just be. I love it. I love it. And for those that are listening in, what we're talking about, you can go to YouTube and type in Tony Robbins, Michael Singer. And there's an interview that Tony and his wife have with Michael Singer. It's about an hour interview. They're the ones who promote this Michael Singer course. And not only do they promote it, Tony says it's the greatest course he's ever taken in his life. And they binged watched it twice. It's a nine hour series. So when Tony says something like that, if you don't get excited to want to go check it out, um, then, then listen, maybe we can light you a little bit on fire here, but I promise you that course changed my life. And Tom, you'll love this. And Adrian, Kim um, took her top executives, about 35 of her top six figure earners, and she put them all on the course and they all are now through uh, session eight and they're finishing it up. And when I listen in on the call, they do it every Friday. They have an accountability call with just going over this course it has changed these people's lives like personal development. I call personal development is one level. This is the deepest level you can ever go is, is into this stuff. And so uh, we could talk hours about that. But, uh, but hang on a second. You okay, are trying ahead. to manipulate God and you're making a mistake. So here's, <laughs> here's the deal, everybody. Something pissed you off right now. You got on this, on this, on this podcast for a reason. And this is not going the direction you wanted. And I want you to stop right now and pause. And look at what it's sticking to, because it's sticking to something. And that is so fun because it's sticking to something. 
Yes. And guess what? It wasn't us. It's something in your past that it's sticking to. And if you listen to this maniac, Michael, the man in Mexico, he is going to be able to get you off of that in two seconds. That's why he said it changed those people's lives. It changed my life. Don't you want your life to change? And that little guy on your told on your shoulder right then, just as soon as he and I went down that bad rabbit hole, you started listening to him instead of us. And that's on you. So I just want to say, I just, nothing happens by mistake. And that's why I'm so in love with my life right now. Here I am. And let's just back up two more seconds. 69 years old. And he was talking about Kim and about work. And I've had so many occasions because you're supposed to retire kind of slow down when you're 65. Right. But I can't because this isn't what I do. This is who I am. And what a joy it is to be able to still contribute at age 69 instead of figuring out a way to fade out quietly, not being in anybody's way. So if that's attractive to anybody, listen to Michael and Chris, because these guys are on to something and it's big. So sorry. No, no, no. Don't be sorry. Listen, there's there's one rule about this podcast here. There's no time. There's no nothing. We're going to speak. We're going to talk. We're going to chat. If you like us, keep listening. If you don't, hang up. But when you hang up, go back to that samskara, they call it, uh, in the course. It's a thorn inside of you. Just pull it out, and I promise your life will be more beautiful. Adrian, you're still there, right? I see you, man. I want to go over to you here. And uh, (laughs) I want to talk to you about something, and we're going to completely shift gears Uh, because this is something that I know uh, is near and dear to you. You've been studying it. You go to courses. You go to seminars. You're always up to date in learning social media. And let's talk to the individuals out there that, and I'm sure you can agree with me, you don't have to be an expert. You don't need to be a a Jessie Lee Ward. God bless her. She's amazing, right? But there is, I think, a foundation that everybody should have in their toolbox of understanding a little bit of each platform. Talk a little bit about the importance and where you see the future of network marketing and social media working together um, where people can believe that they can do it. Yeah, no, I, lo- I love that question. And, you know, here's the thing. I think that social media really got sold to us as something that for a long time it was really not which was that there was this word social at the beginning of it. And yet it was really a lot of faking it, especially as it pertained to business, but really in everything, right? Like, you know, I still talk to people and they go, every time I go on Facebook, I just feel like crap because I'm seeing, you know, this woman, you know, this girl who I went to college with and, you know, she's got a kid that's the same age as my kid. And she's posting all this crap about how he can like, read poetry and like, like I'm just trying to keep my kid's finger out of his nose or whatever, you know, like there's just all this stuff and there's so much BS and nobody like it. People are so sick of seeing your highlight reel. It's unbelievable. So I think the biggest thing that applies across all platforms is just be you. And, and when things are great, let them be great. Like, that's awesome. You know, don't hesitate to be like, this is the most amazing day of my life. I, you know, I, I never thought I'd graduate from college and here I am, you know, graduating with honors, like absolutely post that, but don't also hesitate to post the fact that, you know, two weeks before that you were sitting there in a pile of tears, telling yourself the story that nobody else in my family has ever graduated from college. And who the hell do I think I am? And I'm going to fail these finals and they're going to find out that I'm a fraud. Don't hesitate to let those pieces of you come out 
because those are the things that people are going to actually attract to far more. Those are the things that are going to create community. And what people are looking for is to, to be a part of something. And so you can invite them to be a part of you in the way that you show up on social media, just by letting yourself, letting your guard down a little bit, posting in a way that invites the authentic, real, uh, relate, you know, like empathetic interaction of like, oh my gosh, like, you know, I totally identify with that. I, I have been part of, you know, I I've been in that same place or maybe you could help me. Could we talk? Things like that make a huge, huge difference for people. And they're so, you know, you don't, then you're not feeling like a fraud out there putting out this front of it's all perfect when nobody's story is perfect. So that's the biggest thing I would say. It's not very tactical. It's really, you know, it goes back to what we were just talking about with Singer and everything else that it's really about letting yourself, you know, letting your guard down. And I'll tell you, I, I have to, you know, I got to take my own advice. Like that's, that, that doesn't come easily to me uh, because I I'm addicted to looking good. And yeah. so we're, you know, we have, you get that from your mom. I understand that. Oh, yeah. It could, could, could have been from my dad. <laughs> his, his mom looked just like Marie Osmond. She was so beautiful. And she, every time we went to the airport, they'd upgraded her first class just because they liked her in the airport. She is, his mother is gorgeous. It must have been that eight hundred and seventy something thousand dollars that that uh, attracted her, was it? <laughs> no, I, I was broke when I met her. <laughs> oh, she, no, she didn't like the booze or the money as much as she liked uh, a good marriage, and I I ran her off. She was an unbelievable woman. I'd take her back in a heartbeat. Uh, Adrian, that's I mean, so 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 on point, man. And 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 you're right. Everything you said, and again for the for the audience out there. You know, where, where can you learn some of this stuff, right? I mean, there's there's events all the time. There's incredible stuff. Eric Worre's constantly putting out uh, great stuff and, 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 uh, and different trainers throughout the industry that that teach uh, social media marketing. You know, people I think of like Danny Clark and Rob Speary and Todd Valcone, just a lot of these uh, guys that are out there where you can learn this stuff and become better at it. But no matter what you learn, no matter the technical stuff like Adrian was talking about, it's all coming down to being you. Be who you are. Are and become happy with that. And I promise you, I don't care if you're selling, uh, if you're in, in services, if you're selling health and wellness, if you're selling telephones, it doesn't matter. Be who you are. And I promise you'll be attracting to people. So uh, Tom, let's, uh, let's have some fun because here, listen, I mean, as much as we talk about, you know, all this great stuff, at the end of the day, there's a lot of people on here that still have income goals. They've got dreams and things they want to achieve. When you really got to where you were making it big, which, I, you know, making it big today for different people is different. But for most of us, it was always, man, we could get to six figures a month. If you could get to six figures a month, you could not only help yourself and give away and help charities and all that. But Tom, tell us a couple things that you've done over the years that were some of your dreams that when you did get clarity and you got focused on these, these, this important stuff in life, what were some things you did for you and your family or trips or giveaways, whatever, whatever, some things you did because you had money. You know, we love <clears throat> anytime somebody wants money from me and it's pretty funny. They have about a thousand dollar credit line. So I, cause I'm not going to lose any sleep. If I give you a thousand dollars and you don't pay me back, I'm not going to jump out the window. That's good. <laughs> and what I noticed over the years has been how the good borrowers or getters call me four or five times before they get the money. 
the bad ones just call up out of the sky blue and say, hey, I heard you give $1,000 to people. I want $1,000 and, you know, I'll give them $1,000, but I hate them. So the point I make is I've got the ability to do all that wild stuff now to really help homeless people, to really help alcoholics. Uh, I don't have the bandwidth to do 35 uh, kids in Guatemala or Guadalajara, whichever one of those two you said. Uh, I'm not anywhere near that deep, but at the end of the day, I feel like I tithe my time better than anybody on the planet. I get up every morning. I still do an AA meeting over 32 years, 365 days a year. I did one this morning. And I believe wholeheartedly that my gift in this life is the doctorate that I got in drunk. I can help drunks and drug addicts. I'm, I'm good at it. I can't help you with AIDS. I can't help you with cancer. I can't help you with COVID. A guy just now called me on the phone and said, I'm bipolar. What should I do? I said, don't call me or you're going to die. I'm the last guy you want to call. Why would you ask me for advice? And that's the truth. But when it comes to alcohol and drugs and you know that kind of stuff for kids, I'm damn good at it. And I know my place in that as well as I know my place in network marketing, as well as I know my place in relationship development systems. It's what I do. It's what I am. And now I've got the ability to do it. Um, I'm, I'm Like I said, I'm 69. My wife's 54. And uh, we built a grandchild trap. And it's unbelievable. It's on a lake. It's got water skiing and frog hunting and paddle boarding and ice hockey and all that stuff here in Colorado. We built a dream home with that money that, you know, never, no, never would anybody have believed that that was even possible. It might be the nicest house in my town. And, you know, I know on the lake that we live, they're still saying that's, that's where those pyramid scheme people live or the <laughs> true story. That's what they're, that's what half of them are saying. And the other half are going, holy macro, is that network marketing really pay that kind of dough? Yeah. And whatever's in their head is in their head. I can't do anything about what they think. But at the end of the day, I get to do good. And I don't have to do it for anybody other than myself and God. And I might, my job is to serve. And the more we serve, the more we get. And taking on a project with Adrian where I got to help bring him home from a terrible situation as international CFO at a huge company in Zurich, Switzerland, and be able to work with him every day. Wow. Is, it took some money, but it has been the joy of my life. And all I want is that kind of joy. I don't need, I've got material things. And if COVID taught me one thing, it's how little those things matter. So I hope that made sense. Um, I got the goosebumps again. I think of all my interviews, you've given it to me now two or three different times. And so um, I just relate to you so much. And, and everything you said is, is so true. And, and, um, and it is nice. It's nice to be able to, to check off some things that, that you enjoy to build and give to your family and give back to people. But I always say this as I go, listen, I'm in Mexico here. I'm in a big, beautiful house and, and have all these things. But if you take me out of here and you put me in an apartment, now, not in Houston, I wouldn't be happy, but anywhere outside of Houston, Chris, I would be the same person today. It doesn't change me one bit. It, I would wake up. I wouldn't even think anything different. I would just go and keep going because like you said, after COVID, 
after this course we've been promoting here and talking about, which by the way, we have no financial ties to it at all. We want you to change your life because we actually care about you without making any money from you. Um, but, but tell Michael Singer that we sent you, maybe he'll give us a couple free courses. It'd be great. <laughs> um, but, but my point is, is that none of that stuff really matters. It just doesn't. This is what matters, these relationships. And I'm so grateful to have both of you on, uh, Adrian. And we'll end with you since- uh, We're since not that, in and I want to talk oh, about this a little bit. Okay, yeah, go for it. So in the spirit of evergreen and trying to keep this a timeless podcast, Bill Gates and Melinda Gates got a divorce. And it has come out that many, many years ago, she said, let's just move out of this 69,000 square foot house and move into a 1500 square foot house so we can see each other, so we can love each other, so we can understand one another. And I thought that was sage advice from her mm-hmm. because you think you get all those trappings and they're going to mean something and you're going to be happier mm-hmm. until you get them and you realize you're not. Agreed. And don't lose sight of the 1500 square foot mentality when you do get the big house and the cars and all that jazz, because it truly is the most important thing. So I'm sorry to try to, I just, that hit me and it needed to be said. No, listen, we don't, whatever you want to say, you say here, and we are, we are grateful for it. And everything you say has value to our lives. And, uh, and so Adrian, let's close it out strong and fun here. Uh, with a little bit of a few questions tied into one. Uh, the first thing is you and dad are going to go on a trip. So you got to identify where you're going to take them, something that he's going to enjoy. There is no budget. Like, I mean, no budget. We are a private jet picking you up, whatever you want. Where are you taking dad? What are some restaurants and types of food that dad likes? And then what would be the grand surprise that you think you could sweep him off his feet with something like a grand finale of something on that vacation? Where are you guys going? What are you eating? And what's the grand finale? No hookers. <laughs> <laughs> Ruined my punchline. Uh, you know, I, so we, we lived, when I was doing all this international travel, working for a big corporation, we spent two years living in Australia. And I think we all as a family had fallen, fell in love with that place. He and Denise had been on a trip there many years before and had fallen in love with it. And, and they came back and spent a bunch of time with us down there. And just, there's something about the spirit of that place, actually very similar I th- for, to what I, I perceive about the, the lifestyle and kind of the, the beauty of the life that you've created down in Mexico, Mike, that I think just really resonated for him and for us. And so I think we would go and we would get a place like in Noosa or somewhere on the beach in Australia and just go and camp out down there and, you know, eat awesome sushi, eat awesome steaks uh, and drink, drink a ton of good coffee. They have the best coffee in Australia. That's one of the things that, that we are both passionate about. But I think the, the big grand finale would be that I'd fly all his friends in from all over the world. And, and have them show up and surprise him. Cause that's really, that's where his heart is. And, you know, in the middle of this thing, uh, the, the door right over there opened and that's a guy who literally lives in a van in the back parking lot of this building and looks after this building and is for all intents and purposes, homeless lives in that van and is one of the most important people in his life, along with Richard Blissbrook. And, you know, all, so just the whole spectrum and they're they're all equally important and and maybe the misfits are that one little bit more important to him. So bring in his people, that's what it would be about. But we can invite you. 
you are in, you are both Chris and you are both on the list. You're in the club. Uh, but listen, we'll be there in a heartbeat. And uh, and like I've told Adrian before, you guys are are more than welcome at any time to come here to Mexico and come enjoy this, what I call the palace, why we have it. Uh, they are putting it on the market. So who knows how long we'll, we'll stay, but uh, we'll enjoy it while we have it. And when, when it's gone, we'll move on to the next beautiful thing because we live in the present moment, which is what we've learned to do and discover uh, since moving to Mexico. Uh, Tom, I'm actually going to let you close it out because I'm going to let you deliver just a, a final message to the awesome group, right? I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I'm just talking to you guys here. I forget about this awesome audience that we have been growing and building. And we've had some spectacular guests on, some of your friends, Tony and Sarah, and uh, Matt Morris was just on with us, Jesse McPherson, and, and some of the greats. And so um, I'd like to just let you say the last few words to the, the person who is listening in. They've been listening the whole time. They're hungry. They're ready to turn the light on. They're ready to go to work. Let's give them a message that, that this is the best industry in the world, hands down. So let's face it. Your job sucks or you wouldn't be here right now. Or your life sucks. Something's wrong. Nobody chooses this business because they were uh, overjoyed with what everything, everything else going on. True. And you got to enjoy the journey, not just the destination. In the job you've got right now, there is no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. They're going to figure out a way to take it from you. In this business, the pot of gold is there. It is hard work and it takes a long time. It almost kills you, but you fight through it for that pot of gold. But all the way along, I want you to do what this coffee cup says. Fire your brain, hire your heart, stop looking at people like prospects, look at them like human beings, love like crazy, then love more and laugh your ass off. There's so many people for you to piss off. And there's so many more than that, that you're going to attract and they're going to be in your business. It isn't like the job you're at where it's like scarcity rules. This is abundance on all fronts, abundance of love, abundance of contribution, abundance of meaning and making stuff. You can do this. It's all a personal development course with a compensation plan tied to it. Look at it like that. You wake up with your hair on fire and all you want to do is go change lives instead of run people off. My story, I'm sticking to it. I love it. I love it. Guys, thank you so much again. Uh, Adrian Tom Chenault out of Colorado here visiting us here for the Life of the Networker. Again, to our audience, thank you guys and ladies for listening in uh, each and every week to our guest. And uh, as we grow this, we'll continue to bring the best of the best for you. Uh, to my partner, Chris, for all his back-end work, I could not do without you. I barely know how to turn on my uh, computer. Uh, so to set this podcast and all that stuff up, Chris is my man. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. And we will see you guys next week. And you don't know who it is because we always have a mystery guest. Thanks a lot. The Life of the Network. Join us and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to The Life of a Networker. We really hope you have gotten some inspiration or value from listening to our show. For more info or to reach out, visit us at thelifeofanetworker.com.